Verse 31, I'll read aloud and ask you to follow along as I read. The Bible says, and just insert the name Jesus there. And Jesus came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother, mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, suffering them not to speak, for they knew not, or for, excuse me, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogue of Galilee. I want to preach to you this morning on the power of preaching. Power of preaching. I have a firm conviction that preaching ought to be powerful. And we ought to be able to discern and see its power and its working in our lives. The power of preaching. Let's pray. So we've been making our way through the gospel according to Luke. Let me see if I turned this on. I did. Praise the Lord. Making our way through the gospel according to Luke. And we're at the point where Luke is introducing us to the public ministry of Jesus. That ministry we saw last week was announced in Nazareth. And now it is moved to the city of Capernaum. And when we get to this point, Luke wants us to know that Jesus began to do the very things the prophet Isaiah prophesied that he would do. Well, we read that. He was anointed... He read that he was anointed with the Spirit to preach the gospel. And through the preaching of the gospel, he was to have a, uh, 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 the, uh, the ability to heal broken hearts and to uh, set at liberty those that are captive. He's to give sight to the blind. That his ministry of preaching would have a powerful influence on the lives of other people. And so he comes here to Capernaum. And that's what we see. We see him take up the word of God 
and begin to minister to the hearts and lives of individuals through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Now, I know that preaching gets a bad rap. We're afraid, you know, especially if, if you've been to some churches, you just say, you know, well, it's not very interesting. It's not very engaging. It's really not ineffective. In fact, I don't even find it relevant. Well, God wants us to know that the preaching of Jesus wasn't like that at all. It, it wasn't uninteresting. It wasn't boring. It, it wasn't ineffective. And, and it certainly wasn't irrelevant to the issues of their, life, of their life. The Bible says that his word was with power. It had an effect on those who heard it. The teaching, the preaching of Jesus was powerful preaching. And then what happened in the synagogue, and then what happened in the home of Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and then later that day out in the streets uh, uh, in front of his home, what happened lended credibility to the message that he preached. It illustrated the power of his preaching in the lives of individuals. And you say, well, why is this important? Well, number one, it's very important because it authenticates Jesus as the prophesied Messiah. He, he had to be a preacher, and his preaching had to be with power. It had to have the kind of soul-saving, life-changing influence that we read about here on this Sabbath day. He, we're to read this, and we're to be convinced. This is the evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Son of God who heals the brokenhearted, who delivers men from the bondage of sin and evil, who comforts those who've been marred and scarred by life in a fallen world. The chain of events that we have just read, the soul-saving, life-changing power of our Savior, it illustrates that His gospel, His word, His preaching was powerful. There was power in the preaching and teaching of Jesus. They provide the evidence that we need that you can believe in Jesus Christ and you can trust his word. If you're here this morning and say, I'm still trying to make up my mind about where Jesus fits into my life. When you read this, you're to understand Jesus is the son of God who left heaven and came into this world as a man. His purpose was to die on Calvary, Calvary's cross for my sin and yours. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. He's the Savior. He's a living Savior. He has power today to keep the words that he gave. We read the Bible. The Bible says, he that believeth on me. Jesus said, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. You can believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And as a Christian, you can trust his word. His teaching, his preaching was powerful. By the way, that's the word that you and I hold in our hands this morning. It's the same word of God that we open up every Sunday and that we teach and preach throughout our ministry. One of the things that we're meant to learn as we go through the Gospel of Luke is that Christianity is a preaching faith. Jesus was a preacher, and without a doubt, he was a powerful preacher. We would say he was an amazing preacher. He was a great preacher. Jesus was a preacher. All of his disciples were trained and then sent out to be preachers. The mission of Christianity is a mission defined by preaching. In the book of, the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, the Bible says, Go ye into all the world 
and preach the gospel to every creature. Christianity is a preaching faith, and our preaching is meant to be powerful. Say, so, well, what kind of powerful power should it have? Well, hold your place here if you would. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, Luke, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and then chapter number 6. Excuse me, chapter number 2. I'm getting ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. In verses 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul described his preaching in this manner. He said, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. It didn't sound like it came out of O magazine. It didn't sound like it was pulled off some television show. He said it was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Christianity is a preaching faith, and preaching is meant to be powerful. So to demonstrate the potential of powerful preaching, Luke zeroes in on one Sabbath day ministry in the life of Jesus. One very early Sabbath day of ministry in the life of Jesus. And from the chain of events that we read of here, he gives us three marks of powerful preaching. What does powerful preaching look like? Well, notice number one. Powerful preaching is convicting preaching. If I put it like this, it packs a punch. It's convicting preaching. And I get that from verse 31 and 32. It says, and, and, and he, he had left Nazareth and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And notice verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine. The truths the people heard astonished them. Now, my wife and I, we spent time as missionaries in Ghana, West Africa. And one of the first things that I did when I uh, got there was to begin to learn the language of the people that I would be preaching and teaching to. And, and it's out of that experience that I learned to appreciate some of the challenges of translating one language into another. For example, every language has ways of saying things that are much more descriptive than they can be translated. For example, the Ghanaian word for proud or pride is nibofu. Doesn't that impress you? Okay. But if you translate it literally, okay, Nabofu is, his chest has grown. You know, now you get that, don't you? <clears throat> now, in English, okay, we might say, he got the big head. And we'd all understand what that means, right? But now if you're going to translate it in Ghanaian, you're going to say, Nabofu. Because we understand both communicate the idea of pride. Or being proudful. Okay, everybody understand what I'm saying? So there's no way that you can give the same mental image when you translate the one word to the other language because the, the original language is so colorful. Well, that's what the word astonished here is. Now, astonished means astonished, but literally it means to be struck by a blow. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been sitting in a church. I certainly have been sitting in a church and I'm following along with preaching, following along with preaching, you know, just amen, amen, amen. Oh my. I didn't see that coming. 
What happened? Powerful preaching packs a punch. It's convicting. It confronts us where we live. It makes us think in ways that we weren't ready to think. It, it, it makes us feel perhaps uncomfortable in a way that we weren't expecting at that moment. Powerful preaching is convicting preaching. It's preaching that packs a punch. And the Bible says, when the Bible says here that the people were astonished, it's at least saying his words struck them. I mean, it, it, we'd say it hit home. It found its mark upon their hearts, upon their lives, upon their thinking. The preaching of Jesus was unexpectedly convicting. It exposed sin. It awakened them to spiritual need. It awakened in them a desire for how greatly they needed the truths Jesus was teaching. Powerful preaching is convicting preaching. Now, I want you to notice, again, if you look at verse number 32, it wasn't the manner in which Jesus preached that made it powerful. It wasn't because he raised his voice. It wasn't because he pounded the pulpit. Now, those are all acceptable things, and I do them all on occasion. But that's not what makes preaching powerful. It wasn't the manner in which the truth was delivered, but it was the message that was preached. It, it says, for his word was with power. It's what he said that was so astonishing to their understanding. Now, step back for just a moment. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's God who became man. Jesus could say, he that has seen the Father, he, oh, excuse me, he, he that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. And so we understand that Jesus is God. So when Jesus spake, God was speaking. Amen? Amen. They were hearing the word of God. So the preaching of Jesus was powerful because the word of God is powerful. It's, it's not the clever ways that we present that word that make it powerful. It's the word itself that is powerful. The word of God, the Bible says, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. One power that God's word possesses is the power of conviction. It'll confront you. It'll make you think in ways you didn't expect to think. It'll make you aware of needs that you didn't realize were so great. It'll create in you a desire for things that you didn't know that you wanted so badly. It is convicting in its power. Powerful preaching is convicting preaching. And to be convicting preaching, we must be preaching the word of God. Secondly, powerful preaching carries with it spiritual authority. Powerful preaching carries with it spiritual authority. Verse 33. As Jesus was teaching and his word was with power, the Bible says in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Ha 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 ha. Now, that's really the way I read this. That's the sarcasm that this demon is trying to pull off as he confronts Jesus. He says, I know thee who thou art, 
the Holy One of God. So one of those who came under the power of the preaching of Jesus was this man possessed of an unclean devil. Now, I just want to pause here to say again what I said a couple weeks ago. The devil is real. Demons are real. And we dare not underestimate the evil influence they bear upon our world. Now, we are sinners at heart. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You put men just out in this world and let them live by their heart. You know, just follow your heart. Okay, that deceitful heart will lead them places they never expected to go and to do things they never expected to do. I mean, our heart can take and create all the sin that, 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 would, that would, could engage a man in a lifetime. But that's not all that's at work in this world. There is a devil, and he has demons, and they bear influence in this world. And it's an evil influence. It's an unclean influence. Okay, I believe that you look and you can see behind a lot of the social ills of our society. Broken homes and battered lives and drunkenness and addictions and all those things. It's just not the sinful human heart causing all that. There are principalities and powers. There's spiritual wickedness and heavenly places at work in our world corrupting and destroying the lives of men. Much of the moral pollution and spiritual confusion that we see in our world can be traced back to Satan and his demons. But what Luke wants us to see and what you and I need to see is that when Jesus was confronted by this demon, the word of God prevailed over him. Now, it's interesting that we read that the word of Jesus was with power. In verse number 33, all the devil could do was get loud. Shout him down. Have you ever watched one of those interviews on the television, you know, where you got two people on the opposing sides, and the, 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 the interviewer returns and says, now explain this, and so they try to give their answer, and then the other person says, well, da, 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 and, and they just over here politely and say, you know, if you would, let me just, and the whole idea is to talk over them, shout them down, shut them up. Did I say that out loud? Okay. Um, I don't know another way to say it. Shut them up. Silence them. Silence them. That's what the devil's doing. Jesus preaching with power, and the devil shouts. Okay. This demon-possessed man shouts in that service, tries to shout Jesus down. He asked that question, what have we to do with you? In other words, you don't have anything we want to hear. Uh, are, are you come to destroy us? <laughs> I almost hear it like this. I know who you are, but do you know who you're up against? Do you know how many of us there are? You have Jesus preaching with power, and the demon only speaking loudly. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. Whose voice is going to prevail here? It was a voice of defiance. As if the demon was saying, this is our domain, not yours. This is our territory. You're here in our place. The demon contested the power of Jesus. And he lost. He lost. Jesus rebuked the demon... Jesus removed the demon, and he used nothing more than his word to do that. 
You read there, he rebuked him and commanded silence. And he had nothing more he could say. He commanded him to depart. And he had to come out. It took nothing more than the word of Jesus to triumph over that demon and its evil influence in the life of that man. Everybody okay with that? The word of Jesus. Now, that fact that it took nothing more than the word of Jesus to prevail amazed the people that were there. They had no explanation for what they had just witnessed. They had no explanation for the power and authority in the word that Jesus spoke. Look, if you would, to verse number 36. Verse 36 says, They were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits. They come out. At his word, they come out. Now, the explanation, you and I know it, Luke makes sure we knows it, know it, is this. The word of Jesus was powerful because the word of God is powerful. And the word of God carries with it spiritual authority. Jesus was God. When Jesus spake, God was speaking. It was the word of God that prevailed over that demon that day. God's word is powerful over every demonic influence. And I want you to know it is still powerful in the lives of individuals today. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm sorry I made you run over there to chapter 2 earlier. But I want you to read this with me. The spiritual authority in the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. These are some of my favorite verses in all the book of, of, of 1 Corinthians. Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 9. Now he's talking to a church full of people, most of them believers in Jesus Christ. And he says to them, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Do you hear what he said? People whose lives are defined by those things don't get into heaven. Verse 11. And such were some of you. But, I love it, ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, can, can you sense how there might be some conviction in a church service just by reading those words? I mean, do, do we really think that you could walk into most churches day 
and there have not been some who that week, according to Jesus, have been guilty of adultery. Because Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. I promise you, you can't read that and say that in a men's meeting without it bringing some conviction, some individuals there. But let's not stop there. You might say, well, that's not me. I praise the Lord it's not me. But how about revilers? Okay? Profane people. Uh, how about extortioners? How about thieves? Just, you know, we have a way of cutting corners and, and getting what doesn't belong to us. He, he says here, and he just names some sins that were very uh, common in their culture. He says, people guilty of such things do not have a place in God's kingdom. And such were some of you. No, it's not what you are anymore. What happened? By the word of the gospel, you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified. Huh. By the power of God and his spirit. Amen and amen and amen. Now, you like that part, don't you? Me too. All of us were something before we came to Jesus. And what we are now is not defined by our past, but by what Jesus has done and the future he has for us. Where the word of God is truly preached, it carries spiritual power. The power to set men free from such sins so that it could be said of them, such were some of you. But you've been set free by the gospel you've believed. The word of God has cleansing power. It has life-changing power. It has saving power because it carries with it spiritual authority. Powerful preaching is convicting. It packs a punch. Powerful preaching carries spiritual authority. The authority to deliver men from lives of sin and evil. The third thing that powerful preaching does is impart faith in Jesus. Impart faith in Jesus. Back in Luke chapter number 4. The service ended. The Bible tells us two things happened. The first thing it tells us in verse number 37 is that the fame of Jesus went out into every place of the country roundabout. As people left the service, they started going out everywhere and they were telling everybody what they had heard and what they had seen in the synagogue that day. What Jesus had said and what Jesus had done, they couldn't stop talking. I may actually put it like this way. They couldn't help but talk about Jesus and what he'd done. And then, not near so exciting sounding, Jesus went home with Simon Peter for lunch. How many of you like going home for lunch after church? <laughs> pot roast, potatoes, carrots, in the crock pot, waiting for you when you get home. Can't hardly beat that for Sunday afternoon. Amen? Okay. Okay, say, I, Pastor, we're Baptist church. Okay. Chicken in the pot with, you know. But when they got there, 
Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a great fever. We would say, she's burning up with fever. Put hand to her brow and you can't hardly touch it. And the Bible says that the people besought him to heal her. So two, 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 two kinds of actions. First, you had people went out everywhere telling people what they had heard and seen in the synagogue that day. And then arriving at home, and here's a need in the family, and the people in that home turn into Jesus and asking him to do something about the need that they have. Each of these events illustrate a response of faith to the powerful preaching that they had heard in the synagogue that morning. Number one, it motivated the household of Peter to, by faith, turn to Jesus. Before they went to doctors, before they tried their cures, they besought him to do something to meet this need. And it's interesting, the Bible says Jesus rebuked the fever. No, he did to the fever what he'd done to the demon. All he did was use the power of his word to drive the fever away and immediately heal Peter's mother-in-law. The Bible says she got up and began to minister to them. She got Sabbath day dinner on the table for them to eat. Again, the emphasis is that Jesus speaks with power. His word is powerful. And his word is powerful because God's word is powerful. Powerful preaching imparts faith in Jesus. It, it sends us home. And suddenly we realize that these needs that defy us, these things that are bigger than us, they're not bigger than our God. They're not greater than our Savior. And we begin to depend upon him to do in our family, in our homes, things we cannot do for ourselves. Powerful preaching imparts faith in Jesus. But notice this. The same preaching moved a great many people who had been at service that morning to go out with the intent of bringing others to Jesus. That's why you read here that as the sun was going down, the Sabbath was ended. So the people could, could travel. Okay, they could bring their, their, their sick friend and family to Jesus that he, they might be healed by them. And again, this is a faith response. They knew what they had heard that day in the, in the synagogue. They knew what they had seen that day in the synagogue. And they believed that if they could get their diseased, if they could get the people that they knew who were demon-possessed, if he could get, they could get them to Jesus, Jesus could do something about their spiritual condition. They simply wanted others to experience the same life-changing bondage breaking soul healing power that they had witnessed that morning in the synagogue the preaching of jesus was powerful it was powerful because the word of god is powerful it has convicting power it will convict us of sins it will expose what ought to be changed. It will point us to needs in our life that only Jesus can meet and we cannot go on living like that. Convicting power. It has saving power. Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. 
if you want to know, say, could I be saved? Could I be sure that heaven is my home? The answer to that question is absolutely yes. The book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, these, mm, 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 mm. these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may K-N-O-W know that you have eternal life. You don't have to wait until you die to find out if heaven will be your home. In fact, if you wait till you die, it's too late. You have to receive Christ as your Savior today. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for your sins, if you'll believe that he was buried, uh, died, buried, and rose again for you, if you will stop believing in a religion, if you'll stop believing in yourself and your good works, and you'll believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough, you can put your faith in Jesus, ask him to save you, and he will. The saving power in this book. Convicting power in this work, book. Life-changing power in the word of God. So I said, what are we supposed to do with this message that we just heard? Well, let me ask you a question. What is there in your life this morning that the word of God could help you with? You're, you're tired of struggling on your own. You're, you're tired of wrestling with the doubts. You're tired of, of trying to figure things out uh, for yourself. What is it that this powerful book could do in your life today if you would just believe in Jesus Christ and put your trust in the word that you heard this morning? See, this isn't just supposed to be information that makes it into our brains. It's meant to produce that conviction in our heart. I know what I need. I need to be sure of heaven. I need to have God's forgiveness. I need to be saved. You can be. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've been saved from a horrible life. I, I get it completely. He said, such were some of you. But there's still some things I struggle with. Let me tell you this. There's nothing you're struggling with that the word of God cannot help you overcome. This book is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Nothing else can do in your life what the word of God can do in your life. The word of God is powerful. And when the word of God is preached, that's what makes preaching powerful. Let this book this morning bring you to Jesus to save you. Let it bring you to God for the help that you need in your life today. There's a healing word in the Bible for the brokenhearted this morning. There's bondage-breaking words for those who are shackled to sin. There's a word of hope for those who feel like life is hopeless at this point. There's a word of grace for those that need forgiveness. There's a word of direction for those who need guidance. There is something in this book powerful enough to meet your need today and tomorrow and for the rest of your life. And if the power of the word of God has benefited you, if you're sitting here this morning and saying, amen, 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 and your mind immediately go back, I remember when, I remember when, I remember when, I remember how. Who do you know? Who do you know that ought to come and experience that same soul-saving, life-changing power in their life? The vast majority of those people left there found somebody else and brought them back. You know why? 
because loved people love people. They go out and find them and bring them to Jesus. I want you to stand this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, please.